before we get into this week's conversation, we want to say about the people that make the show possible, like Johnstone Supply in Troy. Fall is officially here, and that means changes may be coming to your home. Does your furnace need to be replaced? Are you looking for an upgrade for your heating system? Johnstone Supply in Troy can make your home heated properly for the colder weather on the way. A family-owned and operated business, Johnstone Supply in Troy has been helping upstate New York residents for decades. Visit their store on 6th Avenue in Troy for more information on how you can help upgrade your home this fall. Whether it's finding the proper change for your filters or making sure your home is heated properly for the new weather, Johnstone Supply and Troy staff. Shout out to everybody, man, from George to Cav Fish. Love everybody on 6th Avenue in Troy. Appreciate them being with us from day one. It's so awesome to hear the compliments they've been getting this summer. We cannot wait to hear them this fall. Helping people across upstate New York. If you love the podcast, you love Godzilla Media, Go out and support our friends over at Johnstone Supply in Troy. George and his friendly staff are looking forward to seeing you stop in. Follow them on Facebook. Leave a message at Johnstone Supply Troy NY or call them today. 518-272-5922. 518-272-5922. It's Johnstone Supply in Troy. Now, on to this week's episode of Gaz on the Go. This may be the first and only time in the history of Gaz and the Go we're going to lead off talking about tennis. But even if you're not a big tennis fan, hang with us for a second here because this is about legacy and about great athletes in your lifetime. Because the conversation around Serena Williams has been blowing up the internet. As you may know, this is her final event professionally. Serena's going to retire after this. And everybody's glued in. Everybody's watching this. Take a step back and think about the impact of Serena Williams. Yes, she wins. She takes down the number two player in the world. But think about what's happening in New York this week with her final appearance in any event in a tennis major ever again. Think about this. We're talking about the female athlete of your lifetime. Who is the greatest female athlete of all time? We're not doing the GOAT conversation. I'm talking about the impact of an event here. Brianna Stewart might be in the conversation. Sue Bird. Maybe they're talked about in that mix. Jenny Finch's softball jumps out to me quickly. Annika Sorenstam in golf jumps out to me. We could talk about Olympians. Allison Felix. And I'm sure there's other great female athletes of all time that my recency bias is showing with some of them. But never in my lifetime, ever, involving female sports has something like this happened this week. Because some of those athletes I just listed off, like Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi and Brianna Stewart, they found their popularity through women's basketball, which is a popular sport. But think about this statement for a second. How often, and be honest with yourself, have you watched female sports when it wasn't airing on ESPN? Every March and April, college basketball, women's college basketball fans and softball fans in particular talk about, and even female soccer players as well, Mia Hamm. Brandy Chastain, talk about how female athletes should be paid more. Think about that statement I just said a few seconds ago. How often have you ever watched a female sporting event that wasn't on ESPN? Now, I don't care if this was on Fox, NBC, CBS, Netflix. Everybody is tuned in and talking about Serena Williams. That's the impact of Serena Williams. Whether you're a sports fan or not, it's the only athlete in my lifetime is a female athlete that's truly been in the conversation of who's the greatest of all time in their sport, and no one's batted an eye if it was a male or a female you're having a discussion about. Have you ever had a discussion about who's the GOAT between LeBron and Michael Jordan and someone throws out Brianna Stewart? 
Never has happened in my life, ever. Have you ever heard a conversation of guys talking soccer with Pele and Ronaldo and Mia Hamm's name sneaks into the convo? No. From Jenny Finch to Babe Ruth. It's like laughable saying it out loud. And no disrespect to the accomplishments of the female athlete. But Serena Williams is the first and only athlete in my lifetime that's ever happened for. And I'll stick by this probably till the end of the podcast or someone turns this off and the equipment shuts down, my voice shuts down. The greatest thing you can do in sports is make it an event you can't miss. To bring in the non-diehard sports fan to watch tennis. And that's what's happening in New York this week. People are tuning in to watch Serena Williams one more time because if you want to stack up the list of great athletes, gender or not, of the last 20 to 25 years, and hell, we might go further back with Serena. About all-time great athletes ever, period, male or female. And this is the swan song for her. People want to remember. I saw the tweet by Bill Simmons that there's nothing greater in sports and then the athletes on its way out, the aging athlete has one more triumphant moment. NFL fans know about those athletes who won the Super Bowl in their final game. Jordan with the Bulls, although he did come back, right? This is what sports is all about. So credit to Serena Williams. One of our favorite expressions here on Gods in the Go, tip the hat to Serena Williams and her career. By the next time we talk here on Gods in the Go, it's likely going to be over. But let's not underestimate the impact of Serena Williams and underestimate that truly what's happening at the U.S. Open Maybe the most memorable female sporting event that's happening in our lifetime. I tweeted this out from at Tom Goss, T-O-M-G-O-Z-Z, my Twitter handle. I tweeted out, is Edwin Diaz the most popular player in baseball? Hashtag Mets, hashtag MLB, hashtag Timmy Trumpets. And I initially tweeted, I thought I was joking. Like, haha, like Closer's the most popular because of how great the video is. This, right, coming off our Serena Williams conversation, is also something that it's hard for me to compare in sports. Mariana Rivera's entrance and her Sandman flame, at times it felt so Yankee-biased or New York-biased that, oh, the Yankees have these stars. They have Jeter, they have Posada and Williams and Paul O'Neill and David Webb. They have all these great players on the team, but... When it all came at the end, Rivera is the first unanimous Hall of Famer of all time, so his career stacked higher than all of them. But the Enter Sandman thing felt like, well, the Yankees are always the best team. Now they're just going to prove everybody for three more outs for the best. Not undermining Rivera's career. I'm talking about the entrance in itself, not his performance. No way. Greatest postseason pitcher of all time. But the entrance is not as cool as Diaz's entrance. The best comparisons, Charlie Sheen in Major League, the Wild Thing entrance. John Moxley, by the way. Not a lot of wrestling talk coming up in this conversation. Sorry. Clash at the Castle and AEW fans for the events this week. Not a lot of pro wrestling talk. So there's your pro wrestling reference. We'll recap a lot of those events next week. It's going to be heavy college football here coming up in football. But Edwin Diaz's entrance. If I was a kid, seven, eight, nine years old, and I saw Edwin Diaz have that happen, I would be begging to watch that every single night. I would be a Mets fan. If I was growing up in central New York and I had the Mets in my backyard, the AAA players and Edwin Diaz is out on the mound coming out like that, like a pro wrestler, like a rock star, he would be my favorite player in baseball. Could you imagine being a kid in Little League and all of a sudden because of the pitch counts and everything else, maybe your dad 
maybe your coach says, all right, you're coming in to win the game. We're down by a run or we're up by a run. We need you to close the door. Now, I said up by a run. Maybe you hit the home run with Diaz's music playing. But to get a save feels cool, exciting, the best part of baseball. People rip baseball and Rob Manfred. Oh, they don't do enough for the youngsters. They don't do this. They don't. Shut up. My God, go on YouTube and watch the highlights if you don't like it. Baseball, hopefully that narrative is finally ending. Because the Edwin Diaz entrance with the trumpets hitting in, Timmy trumpets their live on location, and the mascot stamping Anson and the SNY presentation of everything is so good. It's amazing. It is. I'll do it one more time in comparison to Serena Williams here. In events. I haven't felt like this in a while where the phone was lighting up a little bit. And you wanted to like, hey, is Diaz getting a save tonight? Hey, is Diaz's music going to hit tonight? I wondered about this and I actually was going to do this as a topic. And maybe we'll still do it in September. We'll get a little bit longer episode on this one of what would the home run chase be like in 2022? When it was McGuire and Sosa and you were hoping that ESPN would cut over when it was bonds for the chase, they'd cut into his at bats. We'd all be watching on our cell phones and laptops now, right? If Aaron Judge was going for 72, 73, and 74, if Albert Pujols somehow found the fountain of youth and was going for a home run, the whole setup, of course, would be different. But Edwin Diaz, I see it pop up on Instagram and Twitter. I watched four different videos of it tonight. Could you imagine when that music hits in the postseason? I've told you, go back and listen to our March episode. I picked the New York Mets to win the World Series this year over the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm thinking about going back to doubling down on that bet, by the way. Edwin Diaz, he's not a home run hitter. He's not a spectacular catch outfielder. But let's talk about him as maybe being the most popular player in baseball because of those trumpets hitting for a save opportunity. I love at least once a summer diving deep into an NFL conspiracy theory. Oh, oh, they are so good. I enjoy them so much. And I don't know why it's always the end of the summer, whether it's because of camps and trade rumors and drama between a head coach and a star player. There's always something that pops up right around this time where it makes you think, hmm, to quote Brian Windhorst, why is that? So let's do a Brian Windhorst, why is that on the San Francisco 49ers who... If you're talking to your friends this year, if you're making wagers this year, the Niners could be a sexy pick to win it all this season. Shout out to our guy, Chef Mike, a big 49ers fan. His 49ers squad could be the team to beat, getting so close last season, losing the NFC title game. They played in the Super Bowl just a few seasons ago and led the Kansas City Chiefs. So walk me through this here. Okay. So for months, Jimmy Garoppolo, who at one point the San Francisco 49ers, gave the richest contract in the history of the NFL, the highest paid player of all time at one point, was Jimmy Garoppolo for the San Francisco 49ers post-New England. So the richest contract in NFL history is Garoppolo. Garoppolo leads the team to a Super Bowl. Now, statistically, I know Jimmy G did not live up to the contract. He was not the best quarterback in the NFL. Hell, he may have never been in the top 12, top 15 to be generous, but the Niners were winning. Okay, so for a year, it's talked about that Garoppolo is going to be on the move. Garoppolo is going to get traded. It's Trey Lance's team in 2022. It's Trey Lance's team. We heard it. We heard it. We heard it. Okay, so finally, Kyle Shanahan, by the way, Mike McDaniel, his offensive right-hand man now with the Miami Dolphins, 
comes out and says it's Trey Lance's team. That Trey Lance is going to be the starter. We're moving on from Jimmy G. We sat down with Garoppolo. We're moving on. Okay. Now, remember, here's a really important part of the storyline. Garoppolo sat out of practice. Jimmy G, from the moment that meeting happened with Shanahan in the front office, they said, you know what? Thank you for coming. It's Joe Antonucci. That's a solid reference people might get. Thanks for coming. Drive home safe when we used to do seven-on-seven drills for the offensive line who would just snap the football and watch everybody else play. And then, breaking news, Jimmy Garoppolo back for the San Francisco 49ers. He's restructured his contract. He's coming back for a one-year, $6.5 million deal. So what are we looking at? About a third of the contract that he'd had before, but he's still making about a half a million dollars sitting on the bench watching Trey Lance. This does not make sense. So what San Francisco is trying to do to spin this is they're saying there was no market for Jimmy Garoppolo. Really? So you think Geno Smith is better than Jimmy Garoppolo? Hmm. Okay. So you think Marcus Mariota in Atlanta is better than Jimmy Garoppolo? You think Daniel Jones, who they just said no to his fifth-year option in New York, is better? You're telling me Jimmy Garoppolo is not a top 32 quarterback in the NFL? Or a top 20? Yeah, I don't buy that. Now you can try it. Well, the offer, we, we didn't like the offer they were sending us. Okay. You didn't like draft picks? You didn't want draft picks. You, so you're telling me, you, the San Francisco 49ers, who are a borderline Super Bowl team who can get better through the draft, did not want to continue to help your team get better for the future because you want your backup quarterback to just stand on the sidelines and not have any impact on the game. Even explaining it like that, doesn't make any damn sense. Let's be real about it. I've been saying this on the We Talk Fantasy podcast. San Francisco should not have drafted Trey Lance. They had Mac Jones on the board. That draft night, everyone seemed it was going to be Mac Jones. They tried to throw everybody off and say it was Mac Jones the whole way through. They took Trey Lance, a guy in North Dakota State who played less than 20 games. Carson Wentz, the last guy who came out of North Dakota State, view his career how you will. At one point, was almost an MVP, now bounced around the league, has never performed anywhere close to where he was supposed to be when Lewis Rinnick and Anita Marks were calling him the MVP. Hasn't happened. So now what San Francisco really did is they're like, you know what? Hey, uh, maybe Trey Lance isn't that good. Maybe it's Mike McDaniel's fault that he left. Someone's to blame here. And we're in a really competitive division. Arizona was a playoff team last season. The Rams won the Super Bowl. And now here we are back. And our team actually may not have gotten better. But here's where the fun drama sits for San Francisco. And all summer long, I was telling you the drama was with the Jets and the Giants. No, no, no. It's now the 49ers. Because here's where the drama sits. What do you do if he sucks? What if Trey Lance is garbage after the first month of the season? You're going to bench the rookie? So you're going to bench the first round draft pick. So why is Garoppolo there? You're going to hope Lance gets hurt? Maybe Lance is hurt and they're hiding the injury. That's very possible. Just talking about that out loud. That actually makes a lot of sense. None of this makes sense in San Francisco. None of it. Eventually, the truth will come out that Trey Lance wasn't very good in camp and they were nervous that he actually shouldn't be the starter. Hell, what if they flip it before week one and put Garoppolo back in? That's very possible. I cannot wait to find out what's going on in San Francisco because Garoppolo and Lance, it was supposed to be over. It was supposed to be done. It didn't happen. 
And what is this, the third time it's happened in Garoppolo's career? Garoppolo was supposed to be the guy in New England and Brady refused to leave and New England picked Brady over Garoppolo. Maybe Belichick did. And now a second time where Garoppolo is supposed to be a guy in a different spot? Nope, he doesn't get traded. Is he still the guy in San Francisco? Uh, we don't think so. Love it. Drama filled for the 49ers and football fans should continue to monitor what's happening out on the West Coast. Football is back. When you're listening to this, it could be Thursday night when the FBS action kicked off. I know we had week zero, but so many more games are kicking off. FCS action, Division three football. Uh, by the way, if you're an Empire football fan, I'm talking about Empire State football from D1 to D3. From FBS to D3, make sure I clarify it right there. Check out GodzillaMedia.com for a full ABC preview of the season in the preseason top 25 poll and our season preview, which we're going to finish off here in part two. But first, let's talk about UAlbany football. UAlbany football kicks us off. The Great Danes open up their season against a top 10 team, the Baylor Bears in Waco, Texas at 7 o'clock kickoff set for the Lone Star State. The Great Danes program overall where it sits. So in the last 16 games, last 16 games you already football has had, that includes that spring season and that odd 2021 post-COVID fall, they've only won three times. Three and 13, their last 16 games. So where does the program go now in 2022? Coach Catuso, after the 2019 season, the best season in program history, the furthest it's ever gone at the FCS playoff level, the first program playoff win in FCS history. It's weird to say that out loud too, right? Because you all need football and competing in a different conference. And because of that, you're always hoping for an auto bid and hoping to advance. And you all football has worked its way up. But nonetheless, credit where credit's due. Best season in school history, arguably in 2019. They haven't been as good since. They've been the same program since. A lot of changes have come to the Great Dane program now. The quarterback position was four guys battling for one spot. They'll have a starter named by Saturday. I know there's been some local reports saying who the starter is going to be. When I hear that there's four quarterbacks battling for a spot, it feels like two are still going to play and there might be an adjustment in the second half. That's just my feel from it. I could be proven wrong on Saturday. But a team against Baylor, chance he might get down 35. Nothing the other quarterback plays. So take that, take for what it is. So the quarterback position has some uncertainty. That's the nicest way I'll say it, especially with Jeff Undercutler, who was poised to be one of the best quarterbacks in school history, deciding to hit the transfer portal, transferred off to the Mac. So undercomfort is gone. Carl Mofor is gone. So the offense, preseason-wise, isn't as good as it was the past few seasons. Defense, you've still got some players, but what we learned from the 2021 team, the defense can be fine. The defense can hold teams to 21 to 24 points, and that's a pretty good outing for the FCS program, especially the CAA, but you need offense. You got to get guys who put the points on the board. You got to get some wide receivers who can make plays. You got a quarterback who can step back with a new offensive coordinator this season. I'm nervous for the Great Danes to find success. I don't know how they're going to find it. So they played 11 games last fall. Here are some of the offensive outputs for the Great Danes. 6, 14, 15, 10, 16, 14. Do I have to go any further? You get the point. The offense couldn't find a way to move the football. So you have an offense who struggled last season, and it's hard for me to find out how the offense actually got better this season. 
if you're a Great Dane football fan, what's the realistic expectation for wins this season after going three and thirteen your last sixteen? Four? Like who are you gonna be favored against this season? Fordham? That Fordham game's on the road. Fordham's a really good program, by the way. The Rams are always pumping out some really good players. Hampton? Okay, so if it's Hampton, then that means you're going to be the dog in your first five games of the season. You're going to go to the Hampton game 0-5? Elon? Down in Carolina? I'm struggling to find five wins here for the UAlbany Great Danes. That's a tough season. For you, Albany. That's not an FCS playoff team. That's not a CAA contender. That hell, that's what James Madison playing at FBS now. So, you, Albany, I hope this season turns around the struggles the program has had. I hope they can find a way to get back into it and find themselves as an elite program in the Northeast because that's the potential for you, Albany. Think about that statement for a second. From 2019 being one of the best teams at the FCS program, that you could bring in recruits from Pennsylvania, New York. You could have some of these players saying, this is the place I want to go to. I want to play at UAlbany. I want to be one of the best New York football programs out there. Hell, right now the Great Danes aren't the best program in the Capital Region. RBI lays claim to that for how good the engineers have in Union with Tim Driscoll, that three-time All-American we mentioned in our preview. Union football has been really good. So they're not even the best program in Albany recently. But this season could change then. Eight-win season? Nine-win season, keep that rolling year after year, and that's the expectation. When you take the field at Casey Stadium, that can happen. But I don't know how it's going to happen this season with too much inexperience, projected preseason 12th, questions at quarterback, questions on offense, tough schedule. I'd pick the Great Danes over-under, four-and-a-half. I think you're looking at a four-win season. Four and seven for you, Albany, is my prediction for 2022. Let's give love now to the Syracuse Orange the squad. I will be there. I cannot wait. Let's just for a new audience reset that I'm a Syracuse football season ticket holder. I've been going to games as often as I can since the late 90s. Had a little gap there in between. I was playing at Hobart. Couldn't go to the games, of course, even maybe when I wasn't traveling, I stuck to some games. But Syracuse football, that is my favorite team. That is the team I root for for the hardest, even more so than the basketball team. Because I'm a football fan. I love the Orange. This is my team. So let's talk about their season first. It starts with their head coach, Dino Babers. He had the great season. Led Syracuse to the Camping World Bowl, which seems so long ago now, doesn't it, right? 2019? Is it even that long ago? My goodness, man. 2019? That doesn't even sound right out loud. It's got to be 2018. Goodness gracious, it was 2018. Oh, that actually hurt more thinking about it. That 10-win season seems too far ago. But this season, it's led by Sean Tucker. They got some new coordinators in from Virginia this season. Virginia had a really good offense last year. Threw the ball a ton. Left-handed quarterback Armstrong. But here's the focus for Syracuse this year. Give the ball to Sean Tucker. On this podcast, over the evolution of the last two falls, you've heard my takes on Sean Tucker being like, hey, he's okay. There's better recruits out there. Can give other guys the football. To enough denying it. Hey, let's slow down the 44 talk to... You know, he probably is the best running back they've had in a long time. You know what? Maybe he should be mentioned as a top five running back in the country. It's that simple. I am pleased with my performance. I got to find that t-shirt somewhere in Central New York. Somebody sent it to me. At Tom Goss. T-O-M-G-O-Z-Z. Goss at GossLimited.com. You can find one for me. Maybe I'll rock that to the 
not carrier dome. Look at that catch right there. The JMA wireless dome for Saturday night. So it's simple and easy. Give Sean Tucker the football. Offensive line is so much better than it was two years ago. Run left a lot. Big left tackles really good. Who played really well against Clemson last season. So the expectation for Syracuse, probably as long as I do this until Syracuse is consistently a bowl team again, which hopefully sooner rather than later, the expectation is always going to be six wins in the pinstripe bowl. Get to a bowl game that I can travel to to root on the orange. That is the goal. I wish I could hop on here and tell you the goal is to win the ACC. And they flirted with those scenarios in the past. But this stretch in mid-October to early November, put this up against any team in the country of how tough this is. October 15th against NC State, my pick to win the ACC. October 22nd, you're going to Howard's Rocket Clemson. October 29th, at home against Notre Dame, and November 5th against Pittsburgh on the road. That's the ACC champ, a college football playoff contender within the last five years with two of those schools and I picked to win the ACC. That is brutal. It'd be nice if Syracuse could grab one of those games, win one, but that's easily argued at 0-4. So how do you find six wins? Let's say you get Boston College on the season finale. Maybe you get Florida State at home. Remember last season, they should have beaten the Seminoles if that holding call is called. So I'll give you two wins there. You take down the FCS opponent in Wagner. You know the Virginia staff and players, so you give that win against the Cavaliers. I feel like I'm Mike Francesa now on FAN, right? Just going through the schedule. That's okay. And UConn. Hey, Coach Jim Moore Jr. has the team playing better, but I can see the orange, hopefully, still taking down the Huskies. So that gets you to five and six, and you're missing one more win. And it shows why, how important this game against Louisville is. I'm stunned this line is at four and a half. Stunned. I thought Syracuse should be like a 13-point underdog. Malik Cunningham's slaughtered the Orange defense. Lamar Jackson's killed Syracuse. How are they not a bigger underdog in this game? Something I'm missing on this one. If I had to put money on the game, I would bet Syracuse money line to beat Louisville. Now, I've gotten a little bit more nervous about that, watching the line go from 3.5 to 4.5, but I would still take Syracuse because the line stinks out loud. So if you, the Orange, can beat Louisville, you are pacing for a six-win season and getting back to a bowl game, which seems to be Dino Babers' expectation to still stay safe for his job. I know the reports are out there from Pete Thamel that said if Syracuse fires Babers, they own $10 million bucks. And Orange fans want to see victories all of a sudden. Brent Axe, the beat writer, the columnist at Syracuse.com, is arguing that it's the most important season opener ever in Syracuse football history. Easy over there, Axe. Still say it's that Tennessee game in 98, which shout out to Chris Watson, get that reference in the most recent getting there with Goss. But my expectation for Syracuse, because I'm picking that Louisville game, is a win for the Orange. Six and six, back to the pinstripe bowl for the first time since 2012. Man, we're feeling old on this episode of Gods on the Go. Six and six for the Syracuse Orange. And that's considered a successful season in Central New York for some fans. Last week, I told you I was going to finish off that season preview for college football fans. So let's get through it. Let's make it happen. Let's see those picks for the rest of the conferences. Remember, you can wager on these as well. Mountain West, Fresno State, one of the biggest shocks of the season. Jake Hayner not transferring from Fresno State. Put this down. I know my guy, Sir Burt's going to love this on Twitter. 
Jake Hayner, a first-round draft pick. And by the time the spring hits, they're going to be talking about Strout, Hayner, and Young is who's the best quarterback, who should be going number one overall in the Chicago Bears. Hayner is that good. Give me the Fresno State Bulldogs to win the Mountain West. The Pac-12, you remember last season, this was my pick. UCLA was my sexy pick. I loved the Bruins last year. They didn't cash my ticket. Now it's Utah for me this season. Utah is a team that you look at their schedule, besides week one and maybe Oregon, they're going to be favored in every game this season. And they're favored against Florida on the road against them in the swamp. Utah and Oregon are going to battle again for a Pac-12 championship, but I'm going to take the Utes because Utah beat them last season. And Utah battled with Ohio State in that Rose Bowl, which is one of the best games of the season last year. I heard Greg McElroy argue on ESPN that Cam Rising's the most underrated quarterback in the country. I don't have pushback on that. Rising's really good. Moves that offense well. I like Utah to take down Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. No divisions needed in the Pac-12 anymore. Oh, I wish I could do something cool here in the SEC. I cannot believe it's the second time I've mentioned Tennessee. I think Tennessee is going to be so good this year. Josh Heupel is their head coach. Hendon Hooker, my favorite quarterback in college football this season. The Tennessee Vols are really good. Can they beat Georgia? I'd like to watch that game. It might take the Vols the points, but I'm not ready to be that bold. And Georgia's always played well recently against ranked teams the past five years. So I want to be bold and take Tennessee or Texas A&M. Does Georgia, pun intended, still got that dog in them after finally breaking through and in the national championship? Let's not get crazy. Let's just take Alabama to win the SEC. In the fun belt, so many teams are so close in the sun belt this season. Marshall, App State, Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers, and Georgia State. Give me the Panthers. Seven of their last eight games they won to close out the season. 15 starters back. Don't sleep on my boys from James Madison. We'll get to James Madison in a little bit, but the college football playoff I've got, I've got Bama, Ohio State, Utah, and Baylor. Like, I should take a second SEC team, but I see all these SEC teams coming out with two losses. I can see Georgia losing twice, Tennessee losing twice, NC State. I wanted badly to take NC State, but I see NC State with one loss. So it comes down to Baylor, Utah, and NC State. I could see Utah going undefeated. And Baylor having one loss and the Big 12 getting left out again. NC State's close, but I got Alabama, Ohio State in the championship. That was my same championship last season. Roll damn tide. Alabama wins the national championship. I got bold a little bit with Utah and Baylor, but continued powerhouses stay at the top winning the national championship all right we got week one picks on the way week one predictions coming up but first first we gotta tell them about the people that make this show possible we've been talking about upstate new york we've been talking about capital region businesses we hope that you can go out and support these businesses so we continue to have success in the future a family owned and operated business that is lillian david fine jewelers located route 50 the shops of wilton i know from lillian david fine jewelers that they will help you find the engagement ring you're looking for. I know from experience, that's where I bought my engagement ring. Wedding band? Yeah, I've got that too. I wear the wedding band. I bought the engagement ring. Thanks for our friends who cleared that up this past week. See, I don't know that much about jewelry, but luckily Alyssa, David, and the crew can help you find exactly what she's looking for. Whatever you're celebrating, an anniversary, a birthday, the holiday season, and more, Lily and David find jewelers. 
help you find what fits her style, her fashion, and more. Whether it's a new pair of earrings, whether it's a ring, whatever she might need. Alyssa and David, everybody in there, Tammy, Jacob, the crew will help you find exactly what she's looking for. I know from experience, and the selection's great. Route 50, Shops of Wilton, it's Lily and David, Fine Jewelers. Make sure to check them out on Facebook as well. Follow them on social media. And when you stop in, tell me you heard about Gaza's story, his botched proposal, how long you've been working with Lily and David Fine Jewelers and more. Lily and David Fine Jewelers, Route 50, the Shops of Wilton. When you stop in, tell me you heard about Gaza's story from right here on Getting There with Gaz. And our friends over at Mohawk Honda. Mohawk Honda, we will be back live Thursday, September 15th. Godzilla Media, live on location. It has been too long since we've seen our friends in Mohawk Honda. And still, with that supply chain so strange, I had a conversation with my mother-in-law this past week about, wait, I can get a vehicle at Mohawk Honda? Yes. And you can trade in your past vehicle and maybe potentially get exactly what you Bought it four years ago. Those are the things going on right now. They want to buy your vehicles. Shout out to everybody over there from Greg Johnson, Cam McKenna, Brian McKenna, Lindsay Harrington, and more. Mohawk Honda is the place for you to go in upstate New York if you want a new ride. Tell me you heard about it from getting there with God. Tell them about the selection and everything that you can find. The 2023s are on the way. That means the 2022s can fit your budget right now. Get that new ride like I do. 2022 Pilot EXL sitting in the driveway right now. Thanks to everybody at Mohawk Honda. Shout out to our guy, John at Service, who I've sent out for a week and a half. I have to call because I need service on my vehicle. Hopefully, you listening will remind me via social media I need to call John. He does a great job as always. We will be there Thursday, September 15th. A perfect time for you to stop into Mohawk Honda to upgrade your vehicle today. They want to buy your vehicle. It's Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. Couple of reminders here. Do not forget that Thursday night it is the NFL's kickoff for our fantasy football league, Gonzalo Media, and also college footballs. So we've talked a lot about on this Gonzalo Go. We will be there from the Iron's Edge broadcasting live 6 to 7 30. We're going to be hanging out throughout the night, drafting our fantasy football team. So come by the Iron's Edge, Walson Spot. You're going to see all this stuff on social media. Grab a table in the back, have a beer with us. I know our guy Bryce is going to be locked in for Penn State Purdue. It should be a great game. So join us at the Iron's Edge. Grab some food, grab some drinks, and hang with the guys of the media guys. Iron's Edge, 7, 7.30, 8, whatever you want to swing by. Have some great fun with us. And don't forget, if you're wagering on games, use the promo code 518. We've got a great deal going on for new signups. We'll tell you more about our guys on the go. If you want a little bit, I'll tell you a little bit more on getting there with guys. Guys on the go is right here. I have a lot of podcasts with my name on it. More information, LeVac and Gaz tomorrow, or you can get more information on getting there with Gaz on our audio side. All right, enough with the reminders. We're going to leave that promo up for you right now on our visual side. Three picks, one and two last week. One and two in week zero. Here we go with week one. And another reminder, eight and no combined the last two years on week one picks. Eight and no. Here's my picks. I never do this. I never bet. For a big time program in week one, that's always my best advice. Bet against the big names because so many casual bettors will just bet a name not knowing the players. I'm not doing that for Ohio State. Give me the Buckeyes, minus 17. Love this stat that Bear Felica had. 0-11, Notre Dame is. In their most recent match against top five teams on the road. And on average, the Fighting Irish have been beaten by 19 plus points in those games. I'm still bitter about the footing Irish and Marcus Freeman not covering the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State. One day I'll let, I'll let go of that, but not now. Ohio State covers and rolls Notre Dame in the opener. UTEP taking on Oklahoma, the Miners. 
what the hell's Oklahoma? Who's playing quarterback? Brent Venables, the head coach. Oklahoma's not looked good in openers in the past. I remember that Army game from a few years ago. Last season, Oklahoma was on the ropes. That was one of the biggest surprises of week one. 31's a good number. They can get up huge, and UTEP can come back at the end. UTEP, plus 31 against Oklahoma. This game has smelled, stunk all summer. I'm not backing off of it now. Houston is supposed to be this year Cincinnati, the mid-major team that can break through and potentially be a college football bid stealer. But why is UT San Antonio, the Roadrunners, only plus four? Shouldn't it be plus 10, plus seven, plus four? Stinks out loud. Give me the Roadrunners to cover. And if you want a fun money line play, that's my favorite underdog in week one. You want a bet of underdog money line? Take UT San Antonio, my favorite play of the week, the James Madison Dukes. Look, this is a little D3 bias for me. If you're a small school kid like me, a D3 kid like me, you know that when you see those numbers like B, C, D, D2, D3, people say, oh, it's D2. They're not any good. Oh, it's D3. They don't know how to play. FCS versus FBS, I'm telling you, we see it all the time. That line is razor thin. North Dakota State has beaten teams before. We watched App State jump into the top 25 within a few years. We saw a college basketball team. Bellarmine should have been in the tournament this past season. James Madison only a six-point favorite over Middle Tennessee State. Love the Dukes. They're going to roll, and I would bet it all the way up to 13 and a half if I could. Give me James Madison as my favorite play in week one, the Dukes. All right, those are our picks. Hoping to see you at the Iron's Edge. Saturday, we're going to have a college game day show as well. Next week, we're at Hooters. More college football, more NFL. Guys on the go. Oh, football is here. Let's go win some money. By the way, you win some money. Make sure you take care of our sponsor. We'll say that every time we close out, close out the fall every way. You win your bets. You have fun. You enjoy the podcast. Give love to the people that make it happen. Talk to you next week.